0: I will ask this morning if you would stand one last time as we honor the reading of the Word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. Let us pray. Lord, we love you this morning. We thank you for your presence. God, we're grateful that we serve a living God that transforms and changes us. Lord, we're grateful that we can gather and worship you. And God, we're reminded that there are only so many times that we'll be able to do this. And so we pray that this morning, God, you'd continue the work that you have began in our hearts. God, that you would finish what you want to finish in us before we leave. God, we pray that you'd help us to be attentive to your word. We pray that you'd anoint our ears to hear it, the eyes of our heart to see it and understand it. God, I pray now that you would anoint me, God, to preach and teach your word this morning in the power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. God, we pray for direction and vision for the future. We thank you for everything that you're doing. God, we are fully confident, though, that you have more to do God, there may be people here this morning that if there was, this was the last service they ever sat in and they were to die today, God, they need to be saved. And so we pray, God, that for every man, woman, boy or girl in this place that is distant from you, God, that they would be saved this morning. Lord, we just pray for your will. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin a sermon series at the very beginning of this year, titled Discovering Your Gift. And we will be in Romans 12, not today, next week. And so, um, I want us to take some time to look at, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? How do you know, what does that mean practically in your living, and how does that work itself out? in your life. I will say on the onset that you need to be saved before you're trying to discover your spiritual gift. The first gift God wants to give all of us is the gift of salvation. But at the time of salvation, there's a reason that God doesn't just save us and then pull us out of this world and take us to heaven. And that reason is that God has a design for the church on earth And that is that His sons and daughters who have been born into His kingdom, that we play a role in taking the gospel to a lost and dying world, in glorifying God with our lives. And God does, at the time of salvation, when He gives us the gift of salvation, God enables us as individuals to play a role in His body. If you are saved here this morning, you have a very distinct role in the body of Christ. My guess is that if we were to take an honest poll of those here this morning, and I was to say, can you say with certainty what your role is in the body, probably 70% of you who love God and are doing what you can to serve God with your lives, 70% of you would still probably check the box that says, I am not certain. My prayer is that by the time we're done with this sermon series, you will know. You won't wonder, you won't think maybe this is it, maybe this is it, but that you will know. And so I want to encourage you to be with us over the next several weeks. I also want to say this morning by way of introduction that... The topic of the spiritual gifts is, in my honest opinion, something that has been attacked by the devil in the Christian culture and has been ruined in a lot of ways. We have been taught this mentality that there are two options when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I believe both of them are very shallow, I think both of them barely scratch the surface of what the Bible teaches about spiritual gifts. But if you don't know, maybe you're new to church, uh, maybe you're not. But the basic two attitudes of spiritual gifts in the American Christian culture is that either you're a Pentecostal person, and you believe that the gifts of the Spirit come after you've been baptized in the Holy Ghost, a second work of grace after you've been saved, and the evidence of that happening is speaking in tongues. And if you haven't had that happen, then you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you'll never experience the gifts of the Spirit until you first have the initial filling of the Holy Spirit evidence with speaking in tongues. That's option one. Option two is all those gifts that you read about in the first century church, they don't actually happen anymore and we shouldn't be anticipating them happen. They were only there for a period of time to validate the apostles' teachings and to give credibility to everything that they had to say. And so now we don't expect those things or anticipate those things anymore, and we just live by faith in what Jesus did, and that should be enough. And it's like, here's the line, which side are you on? I completely reject both views. There's a reason we are not a Pentecostal church. I don't believe, and our core does not believe, what the Pentecostal church teaches about the... Um, their view of spiritual gifts. And I am even more opposed to the idea that we don't have spiritual gifts and that God doesn't want to work through us and that we should not anticipate God using us in miraculous ways to build His kingdom. And so I want to encourage you to stay with us over the next four to six weeks and let's look at what the Bible says. Because really that's all that matters. What does the Bible say about this topic? There are four main passages. I'll give them to you now, and I encourage you to read them throughout the weeks as we study this. There is Romans chapter 12, which I alluded to. There is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. They're both chapter 12s. That makes it fairly easy to remember if you're not a note taker. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and then Ephesians chapter 4, and 1 Peter chapter 4. Also, chapter 4s. And so those are our four main passages. Just read the uh, Romans chapter 12, for example. The entire chapter is not all about spiritual gifts, uh, but you'll find it in Romans 12, same with 1 Peter 4 and Ephesians 4. This morning, we're going to take a brief look. We will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 many more times, but we're going to take a brief look this morning at the verses that we read. And what I want us to see in the verses that we read is the important, what I will call, foundation for this sermon series. There are three types of gifts. What is a gift, first of all? Obviously, a gift is something somebody else gives us. Something that somebody else possesses that they transfer to us. We see... Three things that God gives to us. We see the word gift. There are diversities of gifts. That word gifts there in verse 4 is the word charismata. It means a grace gift. And those gifts we will find in Romans chapter 12 next week. We see also there are different ministries The word ministries is the word service. It's actually where we get our word deacon from. It is diaconos. And I know I don't normally use these words when I teach. This is the first time you've been here. Some of my people are like, what's he using those words for? But I want to lay the foundation for the fact that these are three different words and they all have three different meanings. The third, we see there are diversities of activities. That word activities also means manifestations. It is the word energy. It transfers. It does something. And so here's what we have. We have the grace gift, we have the service, and we have the manifestation. I promise you, if you will hang in for the next few weeks, statements like that will start to make sense and you won't feel like, oh, I'm missing something. We will lay it out. Okay. The gifts, there is a motivational gift, primary motivational gift. And that means God gifts us with something that it drives us. And we find those in Romans chapter 12. You've got the motivational gift of uh, prophecy, to him who prophesies. Um, In Romans chapter 12, we see the idea of teaching, to him who teaches. We see the idea of exhorting, to him who exhorts. We see the idea of serving, to him who serves. And so, um, we are going to cover those thoroughly. I'm just going to give you an example of the difference of the two. Prophecy, in this context and in the Bible, is not the foretelling of the future. Prophecy is specifically the God-given gift to be able to see the scene, the landscape of the times... And hear from God the the message of the day, the message for the times. It, It is a word from God that is specific to us. Teaching, on the other hand, is the ability to study, learn, get the facts, and then properly relay them. And there is a difference between the two. Serving, for example, there are folks that that's what really motivates them, just helping other people. And what you will find is that that particular motivational gift will work itself out in different ministries. So not everybody that has a teaching gift necessarily means they need to be teaching a Sunday school class. Someone whose primary motivational gift could be teaching, they might might move towards discipleship, one-on-one teaching. Evangelism is a much easier example. God might give somebody the gift of evangelism but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to travel the world and evangelize. There's one-on-one evangelism. There's group evangelism. There's prison ministry evangelism. There's overseas evangelism. But the motivation of a person, who their primary motivational gift is evangelism. You're going to find that in any given ministry they do, that is the thing that they try to... uh, That's the lens that they see through. And then the third gift that we see is manifestations. And that, most of those we see in 1 Corinthians 12, your manifestation gifts are the result of me functioning in what God's called me to do in some form of ministry, and the manifestation is what the Spirit does with the work. We don't control it. Um, An easy example would be an evangelist who's answering his primary motivation to evangelism, who who, who feels the call to prison ministry, and so he's in that ministry working in his motivational gift. And what is the manifestation going to be? Souls being saved. In all three aspects, God is the one who calls, God is the one who gives the gifts, God is the one who empowers, and God is the one who has the results. And that basic outline of what I just said there is what... Paul is explaining in these verses, there are diversities of gifts, but it's the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. And the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each, one for the profit of all. I want to tell you this morning a little bit about my story, a little bit about who I am, Concerning this topic, there are four stages that I would say for me concerning this topic. First was the stage of ignorance. I had been saved and I loved God and I was serving God with all of my heart, but I knew nothing about really my gift I didn't know that there was a primary motivating factor in my life I just knew I wanted to serve God and I remember I would take the opportunities that would come up and I think that's a healthy thing to do Uh, for me it actually helped me to figure out what my calling is not you might find this strange but one of my callings that I'm not and I knew it at a young age everyone's like oh he'd be awesome at that as youth pastor, I I just didn't have the the heart for it, and I remember I would I was like, but I didn't know that at the time, and so I would take opportunities to help in in the particular ministry. Youth ministry is a great example, and I hated it. It felt like this is horrible, and you know you have to understand you have to. You have to understand my change, and I can explain the reasoning behind it. It's just, number one, that's not my gifting. Number two, I had just come out of a lifestyle that was just awful, and I was radically changed in a moment. And not everybody's transformation happens the same way. But it happened for me that way, and I can't understand at 22 years old why it can't happen for everyone else that way. And so I just don't understand why teens don't get it. Here's the truth. Here's the facts. Here's what the Bible says. Repent. Yeah. Parents are saying yeah. And you're experiencing what I experienced. It's not that simple. I worked in a handful of other ministries. I remember I taught uh, first and second grade Sunday school for almost a year and a half. And the only reason that worked for me Because it forced me to study the Word of God and I knew nothing about it. I wasn't raised in church. And so regularly I'm having to study. And that part of it was fed my soul enough that I found some tangibleness and the reason for doing it. But there came a time when it was like, this is just not me. I don't I don't actually this would be surprising and you'll probably understand later as we go on through more. I don't actually like teaching. I like preaching. And there's a difference between the two. I typically see through the vein of the great application to today. And you'll notice that about me. In everything I teach, there's an application to today. We just went through a sermon series on the study of Saul. Some of you um, that come to our Wednesday night uh, Bible studies, you know what I'm talking about. And uh, I can give you an example. We just finished with Saul, and we looked at uh, Saul, his life, him killing himself. And he, the Bible tells us that he fell on a sword and that he died. And that entire night, we looked at the fact that Saul killed himself. And we looked at how, from the very beginning, his life began to unravel. And we looked at the application to our lives. If we don't do these things, spiritually speaking, we end up killing ourselves. That's the way that somebody with the, the gift of prophecy sees stuff like that. Somebody with the pure gift of teaching is thinking, Man, what are you talking about? That's not what it says. We don't it doesn't tell us his motivation, just teach the facts. And there are people whose pure gift is teaching and sometimes I kind of annoy them. <laughs> because they're like, "Well, technically, that is not in the text." And it doesn't tell us for a fact that that was the motivation. And so there's some assuming on your part that the Bible doesn't leave us with. And, and I'm like, man, go teach somewhere. Let me yeah. preach somewhere. But here's what we need to know. And we're going to see this before I'm done. The body needs all parts, and if you're ever going to be healthy, you have there's a reason. There's a reason and there is a need for everyone. One's not better than the other. And so but I you know, so I'm in this teaching role, and I just I didn't really like it. I'm like, the things that, I, as I'm reading, the things I'm really wanting to say, I'm like, can't say that to first and second graders. <laughs> There's so much more application to the world today in this text, and I'm just regurgitating the facts. And so, I was in this stage of ignorance, where I didn't really know, like, what am I, what am I supposed to do? I just, I know I love God, and I know I want to help, and I know I want to make a difference with my life, but I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't really know my purpose. And so I'm like trying all of these things. And there was a part of me that felt good that at least I was trying all of these things. And like I said, I think it was healthy. But there there wasn't the satisfaction until I found and settled who I was, what my gift was, what my part was in the body, and started focusing on that. There was also, and so I had ignorance with my gift, first of all, what what is my gift? Then I had ignorance with my ministry. You know, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to use it? And then I had an ignorance with what I will call manifestations of the Spirit, and that is the realization that God can do miracles. And I thought I'd figured everything out, um, thought I knew it, I I knew the facts, I knew how to regurgitate the facts, and I'm going to tell you some, I'm going to share something with you this morning about my, God's process in my life of helping me to see some things. I had been saved for about four years, and I was in this era of confusion concerning gifts and callings and what they looked like and um, and I just it was an it, the one thing I knew is that I was supposed to preach, and as we will see before we're done, preaching can be a lot of different things i mean it could be street evangelism, it could be in jails all preaching in jails, it could be pastoring, it could be a number of things. I just knew I was supposed to preach. And where and how and what that looked like, I wasn't sure. Um, and there came a time when a church in town, some of you are familiar with a good friend of ours, Josh Bush, and he pastors what is now called Cross Point Free Will Baptist Church. Before Josh was part of that picture, their church their pastor was leaving the church. And he had contacted me and he had asked me if I would pastor that church. I didn't feel right about it. I didn't feel like it was, I just didn't feel like it was supposed to be. And so I said no. And um, he asked me a second time, about a week and a half later, if I'd prayed about it and if anything had changed. And I told him no. And so he left. The church did not know that their pastor had contacted me to see if I would take their church. He left. Then the church contacted me and said, you've probably heard, our pastor left. I didn't say, yeah, he actually sat down and talked to me before he left. I didn't tell him that. I said, yes, I did hear that. And they said, would you consider being our pastor? I said, no. They called back about three or four weeks later and said, we're not having any luck finding anybody that's willing to come. Would you please reconsider? I said no. This is the fourth time I said no. They called back a fifth time. Here's what they said the fifth time. They said, we're not asking you to be our pastor. We're asking you to be our interim. And we would like you to come and preach until we can find a pastor. In my heart, I didn't feel like it was right. I thought, if I take that, I'll be their interim pastor for the next 40 years. And it's a bad fit. But not knowing really any great direction, not understanding gifts and all of that. Here's what I did. I kind of put a pen to the paper and I just did the reasoning, right? So I'm called to preach. And this is an open door. And they need a pastor. And I'm not pastoring anywhere. So I should go. And and here was I want you to hear this morning the primary motivation. Here's what they told me, and this was their words. There is no pressure, but if you won't come and be our interim pastor, we are going to close the church, we're going to dissolve it, and -and so-and-so is going to go here, and -and so-and-so is going here, and we're at that stage, and this is like the final thing for us, and whatever you determine will determine what we do. And I thought to myself, when I'm looking pen to paper, here's a church. I don't want to see the church split apart. And so, fine, yes, I'll do it. And I told him, listen, I'm the assistant pastor where I'm at. I have active duties every Sunday morning. I teach a Wednesday night um, small group that that is alive and thriving. I'm not going to leave all that, so here's what I'll do since I'm just the interim. I'll pastor Sunday mornings. I'm not going to be there Sunday nights. I'm going to stay connected to our local church Sunday evening, and you guys do your own Wednesday program, and I will be there every Sunday morning, and I'll preach, and I'll be your interim pastor. And they were excited about that, and here was the deal. Our church needs four weeks to transition. I can't show up next week and say, guys, last Sunday here, I'm taking an interim job. And so four weeks is going on. About two weeks into it, I'm working at Halls Coligan Water here in Wichita, Kansas, and I'm in the office, and somebody calls the office and says, hey, you, um, would you send out one of your reps? We have some questions about your equipment. I'm in the office. They hand me the card. I look at the address, drive to the address, and I go in, and I begin to talk to this man about and answer his questions about our equipment and the things that he wanted to know. And that man looked at me and he said this, he said, you need to know that God did not bring you here today to sell me water. God brought you here, this is what he said, because he wants me to tell you something. And these are his words, I am a prophet, that's what he said, and God has spoken to me about you. Now I'm going to tell you what I thought. I thought, this guy is a fruit loop. That's exactly what I thought. I thought, this guy is a nut job. And I was real confident, right? I've been saved four years, preaching for three. I knew everything. And I was real confident that I could handle this guy. I didn't feel like I need to run away. And so my thought was like, all right, let's see what you got, hot shot. Never, never talked to a prophet. And so, I said, okay, what do you have to say? He said, God said that you have made the decision to take something that he never told you to take. God says you're going somewhere he never told you to go. And God said the motivation behind taking it was your desire not to see his own. Flock, split, but he never told you to go. He said, do you know what that's about? <laughs> As I stand before you and before God, I'm going to tell you something. In that moment of time, my life changed. Amen. I am not the same person standing before you that I was 30 seconds before he said those words. Confusion came over me, not because what he said wasn't of God, but because I didn't believe that was possible. If somebody else would have told me that happened, I would have thought somebody else was a liar. And it was it, I didn't know if he was a real person. The Bible talks about you know sometimes coming into angels unaware and so I'm thinking maybe he's not a real person. He is a real person. He is not a pastor. He is a normal lay person that sits at his church and does what he can and he is a milita- he is a air force um sergeant here at McConnell. Normal guy functioning in his gift. I met with him A handful of times afterwards, I've been to his church. His name is Sergeant Anthony Fields. That moment when he said that to me, it changed some things. I didn't know what to say because, for one, I didn't believe that was possible. I didn't believe that stuff was real. I, you know, I'm like, okay, and now all of a sudden, like, I don't even know what to say to that. I was overwhelmed on so many levels. I was overwhelmed that God would care enough to intervene in my mess. That blew my mind. Why not just let me go? I mean, the fact that he was so involved, I was overwhelmed. The fact that it was possible, and these, this is the way I saw it in my heart and my mind, the fact that it was possible to be that close to God, that's the way I saw it at the time, I didn't, blew my mind. I'm like, I didn't know you could be closer to God than I am. Trust me, at 22, 24 years old, I'm not the same, I wasn't the same person you know now. that, That was the way I thought. And it rocked my world. And so I went from an era of ignorance into an era of confusion. He talked with me some. He said, what are you going to do? I explained to him what was happening. He said, what are you going to do? And I said, the only right thing to do is for me to call them and tell them I made a mistake and tell them the whole truth that I actually said no twice before they ever called and that I did feel pressured and that I'm super sorry that they're excited I was going to be there in two weeks, but there is no possible way I can go forward with this. I just can't. He said, I think you're right. I think that's what you need to do. And so that's exactly what I did. And guess who ended up stepping to the call and actually answering the call? Pastor Josh Bush who took that church from about 10 folks that had never grown in 15 years and has grown it into what has become cross-point Church. They've relocated to a new building because that was God's plan for that local body. Amen. Amen. And thank God God cared enough to intervene for our sake, for their sake. Amen. And so... That, that was, so I, I stepped away from that commitment, but then I'm in this whirlwind of like, well, what in the world do I do? What is true? What is, what is my gift? And how does that happen? And, and I was in this state of confusion. And it seemed like everywhere I looked, when I'm trying to find answers, there were two options. The options that I told you earlier. Option one, Option two, which one is it, Joplin? And I just couldn't see either of those as legitimate options when I read the Scriptures. And I spent a year and a half personally seeking God and praying, God, help me to figure out what is true. And the one thing that changed in me was I knew with certainty that God did and God could still work in the miraculous realm today. And that some of the things I had believed and that I had even taught that we shouldn't expect God to do miracles, that those things were only for the apostles. The Bible doesn't say that. But if you believe that, it becomes a lot easier to just relinquish yourself of of the responsibility to be walking in such a manner. But... After that experience, I couldn't relinquish myself of that, and I just had to be honest with God, and I prayed out for a year and a half, God, I don 't have any idea what I don't understand. Help me understand. God, I do believe you're able, but help me with my unbelief. God help me to understand what does it mean to yield to the spirit in my life? What does it mean to function in the gift? What does that look like? How does it work? Because what I knew about this experience was it was real. It wasn't forced. It wasn't a game. It wasn't something. You couldn't just do that. And so it was very real. And and I knew I couldn't duplicate that. You can't just do that. And so how do you do something that obviously you can't just do? It's one of the things that I think is the danger about the, uh, the teaching of speaking in tongues in the Pentecostal church. It can be mimicked. And if there's enough pressure put on somebody that this is what it looks like and this is what you have to do and here's how you do it, all of a sudden it's like just fake it, you know. And then it happens more than you think. And I, I just wanted whatever God wanted. I wanted it to be very real in my life. And I went through this period of confusion. And then I came to a time of knowing when all of a sudden it was like after a year and a half of seeking God and praying about it, I just knew. I, I saw it. And I had the biblical, the things I'm going to walk you guys through over the next several weeks, I saw it. And I saw the, what the Bible teaches. And I had a peace with it that it's not choose one or choose two. It's, that is not it. And we have to reject that. I didn't have to accept that. Let's look at this thing and look at what it says and read it and believe it. And I came to the place of knowing where I begin to see and understand how it works. And then I came to the place, and this is the fourth place, that I pray that all of us as God's family will grow up into, and that was the place of empowerment, where I begin actively trying to work and function in my gift, what God has gifted me to do. God has gifted all of us. And so this morning I want to move now to this question of why does it matter? Why does this topic matter? Is it really important to know? I'm going to say that I think it's of absolute greatest importance. And the reason is that it's God's design, it's His design for His church, it's God's design for how the church is supposed to work, how it's supposed to function. It's his design for the individual, and it's his design for you. When we don't know our purpose and we don't know our design, most of you can probably relate to my experience that I spoke about in stage one of ignorance, where it's like, I really wanted to do something, and I'm trying all these things, but there was just no real level of this is who I am. This is my purpose. This is where I belong within the body of Christ. Most of you can probably relate to that. And I think it's important that we're able to break through that wall of, of, of not knowing and be able to see. Wow, this I have been indeed given this gift. Because here's what you need to know: the Bible says God has given the gift. Yes. To each one, God has given a gift or multiple gifts to each one. That's what it says in Romans chapter 12. That's what it tells us in Ephesians chapter 4. That's what it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Each one, if you are saved here this morning, blood-bought, born again, if you are saved, you have a gift from God that is meant to be used in the body. And if it's not used in the body, it affects the body. And so it's very important not knowing your purpose and not developing it, not knowing your gifts and not developing them will will cause your Christian life to be uncertain, empty to some degree. It will hinder the body of Christ and ultimately it will thwart our purpose in winning the lost. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at discovering your gift. Discovering your gift. Chris, I'm going to ask you to come. This morning, I want to close with this. I want to ask you to study those passages. It's not a lot of homework. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4. It's not a lot of homework. I want to ask you to study that. Secondly, I want to ask you to pray. If you really want to know, and this morning what I've said resonates with you, that you know what? I do. There's this sense of I need to know so that I can hone my focus and my energy on my calling. Pray that God will help clarify that for you over the next several weeks. Thirdly, I want to ask you to pray for me. This is a can be a difficult topic to teach, especially in the mindset of we believe this side and we believe this side. Almost, probably not all, but almost all of you this morning could say you're right. I'm on one of those sides. I was taught those were the two choices, and I have chosen choice one or choice two. I plead with you, to at least be willing to open up your mind and your heart to the Scriptures, not to what Pastor Joplin says, not to Pastor Joplin's point of view. Let's look at the Scriptures. And I encourage you to challenge me in your own mind, in your own heart, when we're studying this out, is that what the Scripture says? Is that indeed what it says? And study the Word of God for yourself in this. Because it matters. Brothers and sisters, if we can, as a whole, better understand our distinct places within the body and our distinct gifts, and we can encourage one another to work them out and walk them out together, we will be healthier. We will accomplish more for the cause of Christ. We will accomplish more when it comes to winning the lost. And we need one another to be functioning in our gifts. And finally this morning... So i preached all morning long on gifts. I haven't said a word really about the cross and being saved. But I want to tell you this morning, if, if, if you have not surrendered your heart to God, if you're still in your sins, God loves you. And God's willing to save you And God's willing to change your life if you're willing to come to Him. And the first gift that God wants to give anybody this morning is the gift of salvation. And if you will come to Him with an honest heart and pour yourself out before the Lord, acknowledge your sins, ask God for forgiveness, and make a sincere willingness to turn from your sins and follow Jesus, God will meet you right where you're at today and transform your life And then you can begin the process of figuring out, God, what is my purpose and what are the gifts that you want to give me to build your kingdom and make a difference in this world? Father, I pray that you'd move all across this room right now in Jesus' name. Pray, God, that you'd make us a strong, steady group of believers. God, we pray as we study your word and look at what your word says about spiritual gifts, that God, you'd help us to understand it, help us to receive it, help us to believe it, Help us to embrace it. Help us to live it.